Hi, Natalia. Welcome to um, Burr's Northacre podcast. I just wanted you to tell us a little bit about your background, your heritage, how you got into design and what brought you to London. Hi, Gemma. I'm so happy to be here with you um, to talk about this exciting project we're working on. Well, my background is, I always say it's, it's a little bit confusing. I'm, my parents are Cuban. I was born in Mexico. I grew up in Miami. And now I'm based in London most of the time. It makes quite a nice, diverse background that I think really informs a lot of my work. I studied art history and architectural history at university, and then I went on to get a master's in architecture and practiced architecture for a while in the U.S. before I moved to London. And today, my practice, I think, uh, draws from all of those moments in my life and, and certainly in the, the things I've studied and loved. So we focus in, on interior architecture and interior design for beautiful places around the world that showcase that same diversity that just feels very natural to me. And so where is actually your design studio based now? We are in London. Our offices, our primary offices are in Chelsea. And that is where my team are. But with over half of our projects in different locations, international locations in New York, in Spain, in Switzerland, in Miami, we travel quite extensively. And in the not too distant future, we're looking to open a Miami office as well. How exciting. Um, You've worked on some really amazing, super prime projects, haven't you, across the world? Have you, can you tell us a little bit more about your history on that? I mean, I, I know you've touched on you're working in, in different places, but is there anything else you could tell us about your history of Design Studio? Any exciting projects before we move on to Number One Palace Street? Sure. I mean, you know, I feel so lucky to get to work, firstly, on, on, on beautiful uh, residences and, and great, but the locations also make it very special. A lot of projects in London, which is obviously a place we, you know, I love to work in. I love uh, drawing on the history and the heritage of a building and, and, and giving it a new, a new spin for life today, for people's lifestyles today. We've been working a lot, quite a bit in New York, and that is very different. We're doing a project on the 82nd floor of the luxury building in Midtown. So it's quite a contrast from, you know, an, an apartment that we're doing in Knightsbridge or um, a country house that we might be doing as well. Uh, we've, you know, I've also been working in, in Spain almost since I opened my practice um, in 2016. We've been working in Spain and that's been so much fun uh, because it allows, it allows me really to focus on, on contextual work and, and because the context vary so dramatically it gives me opportunities to you know have a different range and look at different materials and and things that feel appropriate to a location so I as I said I feel uh, enormously lucky to get to do what I do and it's very it's often the case that we you know work for the same client in multiple locations and that's rather special as well, because we take everything we've learned from our first projects and, and maybe they allow us to be a little bit more adventurous in, in some of our choices um, when we're doing a second project for them. But the change of location, as I said, informs a new strategy also. So it keeps me on my toes, which is what you want, right? You want to, be, you want to always be stimulated and moving forward and, and, and growing as a designer, and coming up with ideas that feel fresh. I, I really hate uh, to think that we reuse the same 
creative or yeah or the same inspiration it's quite good to get new inspiration isn't it always always it's what feeds us and so tell me speaking of which how do you get your your head around something that's steeped in so much history as number one palestrate you know, to me, truthfully, uh, buildings with history are the most interesting. And, and maybe that is my background in art history and architectural history, which is, is such a passion of mine. I've always thought that buildings, um, old buildings, for lack of a, a better word, tell the life of so many people. Um, and you walk through you walk through the spaces and you, you see windows that have seen so many people standing out at them to look out. And I like to imagine what life would have been in that building at different stages. Um, so I love doing the research component of working in historically important buildings. And I think it, it gives a space, a life and character that you can't just replicate um, without that time having passed. And it doesn't mean that the space has to be trapped in a moment or locked in time it, it, it takes on a new life with each new owner and with each caretaker of an, a new moment in the life of that building so when we started looking at number one palace street it was exciting these five different architectural styles and how they could inform a contemporary aesthetic that was rooted in that history and I guess speaking of, of that, if you're designing for an actual client, I suppose you almost get to know that client, don't you? And then you you create something in the space because they're telling you in a way that they've got their own personality, they've got their own style, they're sort of briefing you on that. So how do you make it feel special when you're doing it something for more like a show apartment as you will be doing for number one Palace Street rather than an individual? Well, I think again, that's when we look at what does the building wanted to be and also um i wouldn't say that we apply narrative uh, to who that possible owner is because in all of my time doing design and architecture um and certainly when when you're doing a show apartment i've learned that uh, you never quite know who's walking and feel at home so what the focus is is to create what is completely appropriate to that space and in the case of Number One Palace Street, I'm working with a, a beautiful interior architecture. Um, you know, the materials that are there, the stones, the wood, the, the bronze detailing of it has is, is of exceptional quality and, and beauty that it, it helped us. It helped us really enhance what's there. Um, but I do always imagine that the person who wants to walk into an apartment like this is looking for something that feels like an apartment in London. As certainly when someone is choosing uh, you know, to live in such an iconic London location as number one Palace Street overlooking the palace, I think it's quite important that you walk in and say, well, I definitely know I'm in London. So that informed a lot of the choices that I made um, stylistically and also in terms of where, where things are coming from. So if I was to say, who do you envisage living at number one Palace Street? Do you have someone in your mind or, or are you thinking it's more like any international person that would be coming and wanting to live and be in that location in London? Like, How do you envisage that person? 
I always, I, I suppose I always envisioned them as being quite international and being some, you know, people who've traveled and, and who, who visit lots of different places. And the truth is that we do that physically, but we also do that daily through social media. We're constantly looking at images of different places. And so I think of a, of a sophisticated uh, person who has an interest in, in luxury and quality and but wants to feel at home in their London apartment. And, and that's a really key part of my design ethos, which is that I create homes. So they have to feel comfortable. The spaces have to feel comfortable. They have to be beautiful. They have to feel great. When you touch something, it should have really wonderful tactile quality. Um, but I don't think, I think anybody, no matter how many homes they have or where they come from, when they walk through the door of what is their apartment or, or house, they want to feel at home. Mm. And so that's, that's at, the, at the core of what we've designed for number one Palace Street. Mm. Great. Well, I think there's an enormous amount of time and work um, that will be, you'll be putting into you know, such a, a big project like Number One Palace Street. Tell us, how do you manage your time with all these projects that you're doing around the world? <laughs> well, it's, it, being a visual and a creative person means that I'm quite flexible as to you know, where I'm working and, and, and quite adaptable. I, I manage my time with a great diary and lots of modern technology. Um, I'm really excited about this project in particular and spent a lot of time crafting the different materials, which for me are, that's part of my design process is very much material-led. I've walked through the space and, and visualized how the rooms, you know, the furniture we'd have in rooms and, uh, and, and the function and the use, which also, that's, that's a collaborative process as well with our client or also with my team because everyone has an interesting perspective for that. But for me, the core of the, the design work is, is the materials palette and, and these combinations of things that um, I love, different contrasting text timbers and metals. And you'll see a lot of that in our design for one, number one palestry. We've had a lot of fun with that. So I try and stay focused and creative, which sometimes are opposing methods <laughs> <laughs> yeah. of working, but it, it, it turns out, it works out. So when you think how you keep your authenticity, I guess, with the various different projects, you're saying that creative journey and is often material based and, and then you can make it authentic to the location. You know, how, how do you keep that authenticity then for something like Number One Palace Street compared to one of your other projects? I think it's about spending time in the space and the context. I mean, it is, I, you know, I won't lie to you, it does feel a little bit easier to be designing for London when I'm in London. I am very, very much a visual person, but it's part of the process for me to be in the space and, and spend time. And I've, I've spent a lot of time looking at the materials palette of number one Palace Street. And as I said, the, the timbers and the stones and all of it, and really working with that. And that, that's a pretty natural, it's an intuitive process for me. Yeah. And it isn't, it, I don't find it difficult to jump from one thing to another because to do things that are feel individual um, mm -hmm. is such a part of my, my ethos. It isn't just a, the strategy upon which I founded my atelier, but it's actually what I believe in very, very fervently. So it's very easy for me to edit. You know, if I'm working on a Miami project, 
I, I can sort of visualize the light. And I will say the quality of light in each place. I think that's what is the most defining component for design because the, the, the light in, as I said, Miami or New York or in London or in Spain, they're all totally different. Mm. And the same materials look different, could look right in one place and totally out of place in another. So I have a good memory for the light. Yeah, we all like light, don't we? And, we do. and what about your space planning? So, I, you know, when you look at, a, at number one palestrade of buildings such as that, because I guess there's some walls that just can't be taken down <laughs> at, at number one palestrade. So do you have any thoughts on space planning? Yes, I mean, I think what we want is to make each space, whether it has a wall, as you say, that you can't move or you want each space to feel great. And there are lots of different ways of being clever with space planning. And as I said, that's the first thing that I do is walk through an apartment, a project, and, and understand how we're going to lay it out and, and where we're going to put things. Because if you don't get that right, it doesn't matter how pretty materials are. It, it just doesn't work. And the good thing is I've been doing doing it for a long time so you you build on that experience i think what is what is really great now is that there are so many different types of interesting pieces of furniture uh, we design pieces we source vintage pieces we source collectors pieces we and there are so many fabulous things available to us that you know we can be quite creative um, people used to think of sofas as an orthogonal standard sofa. Now, you know, we do so many different shapes precisely to create interesting and, and comfortable seating arrangement in apartments where because of, for historical reasons, we can't move walls or there's a column in the middle. Um, I like those unusual spaces because it, it, it forces me to come up with more creative solutions. And then the views are also really important in a room. It isn't just the space planning of how you walk through um, and live space. It's also, you know, what are you looking at when you sit down? So I have this really slightly awkward moment where I try and squat a little bit in a, in a construction site, trying to imagine myself sitting on a sofa and, and you know, what you're saying. Well, at number one Palace Street, you could be looking straight into the Queen's Garden. So, yeah. <laughs> so you have to think about where you may sort of wave to the Queen from time to time. <laughs> um, so just on in regard to interior design in general, um, I just want to touch on what, where you think, I mean, obviously due to the current circumstances, things are changing all the time, but do you think the world of interior design in prime property, you know, what, what do you think is going to happen over the ten, next 10 years? And, and do, you, do you think we need to future-proof designs? Like you see things changing? You know, I, I, I think one of the things that is resonating with me is that because people are spending so much time at, at home right now, I think there's going to be such an interest in, in home and in, in your physical space and where you live. I think it's just forcing us to look inwards and make sure that the space that we have, that we spend time in, is, is, is beautiful, but mostly that it's, it's nourishing. Um, and it's a particular choice of word because I do think that home is a place where you can recharge and de-stress and, and it's, it's where you anchor your family or if you live on your own, it's where you go to regroup and, and feel better. And I think a lot of people are seeing that now. And I, 
am intrigued by the number of people who are coming to me on social media and asking questions about how do I make my home feel better? I'm trapped in here. You know, what can I do? And so I think that there will be a renewed interest in the design of our homes, um, which obviously for me is rather nice and something that I love to love to be a part of. Yeah, it's something, I think we've all got a new appreciation, isn't it, of our home space now, haven't we, now that we've been forced to spend more time in it rather than always being out. What about sustainability? Do you find that that seems like quite the, you know, obviously it's very important um, at the moment, but do you sort of try and work around sustainability where possible or is that you consider? I always do um, because I think it's just, I think it's just common sense sustainability. And I think what we're actually, we're learning a very, a very important lesson. You know, I think that the moment that we're living in is in part, this is a, a, just one perspective is, you know, mother nature is a bit angry with us and sort of forcing us to look at, at, at what we're doing to the planet. And I, I've always believed in buying local as much as I can. And that is in our in in my design practice, and that means supporting local craftspeople. Also, because I think it it contributes to the authenticity of giving a design a sense of place. If the items in that space are local, I do I do like that. So I think sustainability for me is always important, and I think we're going to find uh, that travel is going to be difficult, and that does doesn't apply just to our holidays, it applies to where we get things from. So I think it, it'll force us to be more self-reliant in our communities and, and where we live. So I think that's interesting for design and I think it's an incredible opportunity. You know, I know one of the one of the very sad things about this moment we're living in is the number of small businesses that are that have closed and, and the economic impact on that. But on the flip side, how many opportunities are there now? Uh, potentially for people to create things that, you know, we rely on coming from China, for example, or from many other places that are proving harder to get to. Um, Let's look inwards and be more sustainable in our daily lives and hopefully use less waste as well. Yeah. And tell me, so what would you say is, is the single most valuable part of interior design for a client? I think you were talking about it being individual and one of a kind so it's the way that's your ethos so I was just thinking like what is what would you say just as a final point is the one thing that you think is the most valuable part of interior design and why you do interior design as a profession I think I think that the most the the, the greatest luxury you can have is something that feels individual something that feels made for you so what what I what I love about my work and what I hope all of my projects have is that I want I want that design, that space to be completely unique to the person who's going to be living there, whether they are the ones who commissioned me or not, (laughs) that that I have put together a design with beautiful uh, pieces and beautiful combination of materials. That's, you know, the first time I've done it and it'll be the only time I do it. And that uniqueness, that individuality feels really special and um, feels like the home that only you get to have. Yeah, which makes it feel like home, right? And very special. That's the hope. 
<laughs> well, thank you so much for joining us. Um, really insightful. We're going to be hearing a lot more from you as your journey, uh, the making of the interior design for Number One Palace Street. So I'll be looking forward to speaking to you soon. Gemma, thank you so much. I've loved talking to you and I look forward to talking about it even more in the future. Thank you. Take care.